Welcome back, and thanks for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. And this is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast because we always enjoy reading and talking about Trekker and any of Ron Randall's other comics. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material every Monday. The Dark Star Zephyr storyline recently started, picking up right after the end of the previous story, Chapeltown. While you're there, you'll also find links to all of the ways you can follow Ron Randall on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. TrekkerComic.com also has a link to his Patreon page, where you can donate to help support the creation of brand new Trekker material. For a small monthly donation, you can get an early look at each week's page, along with a behind-the-scenes look at the development of the page. Of course, the big news right now is the pending release of the next Trekker trade paperback. Rites of Passage will be in stores in February, and we hope everyone is planning to pick up a copy. Mercy is off-planet in this star-spanning adventure, and we'll be covering it in future episodes. But in this episode, we're covering the story City of the Dead, which features Ron Randall's Mercy St. Clair in an adventure with Carl Kiesel's Johnny Zombie. The story was originally published as a webcomic at Thrillbent.com and is included as a backup story in the Train to Avalon Bay trade paperback, which is available in print from Dark Horse Comics or in a digital collection from Comixology or the Dark Horse Comics app or from the Amazon Kindle store. We'll also be talking about the bonus art gallery that's included in the back of the book. We love hearing from other Trekker fans and know our show is more fun for everyone when we share your comments. So please write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker. Feel free to share your Trekker origin story or just let us know your favorite pages and panels. Any stories or observations you want to share will be great. We'll provide our email address and other ways to contact us at the end of the episode. Trekker Talk is part of the Rad Adventures Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please consider checking out our other podcasts that are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Xenozoic Xenophiles covers the post-apocalyptic adventure series Xenozoic Tales, featuring Cadillacs and Dinosaurs by writer and artist Mark Schultz. And Warlord Worlds is devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and more. Ron Randall, Mark Schultz, and Mike Grell are our three favorite comic creators. Their stories are always filled with adventure and interesting characters, and their art is excellent. We hope you'll try out our other shows, and we'll be sure to include links to those podcasts in our show notes. City of the Dead is a 24-page story that features Ron Randall's Mercy St. Clair and Carl Kiesel's Johnny Zombie. Ron and Carl are good friends, and both are members of Helioscope Studios in Portland, Oregon. The story was first published as a webcomic at Thrillbent.com in March 2013, where it is still available to read for free, along with the Johnny Zombie Christmas special, also by Carl Kiesel. The cover features a dramatic image of Mercy St. Clair and Johnny Zombie standing at the top of a mound of zombies. Mercy is firing her laser pistol while Johnny is holding a zombie at arm's length and is preparing to swing his baseball bat. The story is written by Carl Kiesel and Ron Randall. Pencils are by Ron Randall. Inks are by Carl Kiesel. Colors are by Jeremy Colwell and Grace Allison. Lettering is by Ron Randall. The story opens with Mercy looking for her latest bounty, a man by the name of Romero Kirkman. Her informant tells her she's too late. Kirkman is dead and his coffin was shipped out just that morning to the offshore necropolis, also known as the City of the Dead. The bounty pays dead or alive, so Mercy decides to go check for herself. 
Mercy rides a jet ski across the water toward the necropolis in the distance. Arriving on shore, she pulls out her pistol and begins to make her way through what looks like a city of stone crypts and mausoleums. In the distance, the statue of an angel with outstretched wings is bathed in light, but most everything else in all directions is covered in shadows. Mercy makes her way higher and higher into the tall stone structures for a better vantage point as she searches the area. Suddenly, she hears a noise and turns to see a shadowy figure crossing a metal catwalk. Mercy follows and starts to cross the metal grating herself, but it collapses and falls. Using her quick reflexes, she grabs the metal framework that clings to the building and begins to climb. Reaching the ledge at the top of the building, Mercy slowly enters a dark room where she sees several large metal containers marked Infected Incinerate. Then suddenly an avalanche of metal pipes crash down upon her. Mercy wakes to find her hands bound with a rope that is stretched over a metal hook that has her lifted slightly off the ground. She sees her gun belt and holster lying on the floor below her. Mercy looks down to see her quarry, Kirkman, smiling up at her. Her information was partially correct. Kirkman is at the necropolis, but he definitely isn't dead. Kirkman turns and begins to open one of the large metal containers. Meanwhile, Mercy begins to swing back and forth, sliding the rope across the hook, and the metal begins to cut slowly through the rope. The door of the large metal crate swings open, and dozens of emaciated, undead, human-like creatures pour out of the container. Kirkman seems surprised, as though he either didn't know what to expect to find inside, or if he did know, he certainly didn't expect the creatures to react so quickly. As the zombies begin to advance on him, Kirkman turns and runs away as quickly as he can. The zombies then turn in Mercy's direction. Continuing to swing back and forth, the rope finally breaks and Mercy drops to the ground just as the zombies reach her. Mercy rolls and grabs her gun belt, only to find the holster is empty. Just as the closest zombie grabs at her, a shot is fired and the zombie's head explodes. Mercy turns to see a man in a leather jacket. He is wearing sunglasses and a red t-shirt with an odd drawing of a frowning face with a bullet hole in its forehead. He's holding her gun in his right hand, the barrel still smoking from the fired shot. He's wearing an armored metal gloved gauntlet on his left hand and is holding a glowing metal baseball bat. It's Johnny Zombie, a man of folklore and legend. Surely not real, but there he stands. Johnny Zombie smiles at her and tosses the pistol back to her. He then begins to swing the metal bat, smashing heads and decapitating zombies left and right. His smile grows even larger as the creatures crowd around him. Mercy fires her pistol at the closest zombie and its chest explodes, but it just stares at her and continues to advance. She looks confused and then Johnny Zombie puts his finger to his head and motions for her to shoot for the head. Mercy and Johnny stand with their backs to each other, and a moment later the heads of zombies are exploding in one direction from a metal baseball bat, and in the other direction from Mercy's rapid pistol shots. Moments later, the bodies of truly dead zombies lay all around them. Johnny pulls down his sunglasses and winks at Mercy, but she notices that his eyes are blood red. Unsure of how to react, she points her pistol at him, afraid he's been infected but in turn, he calmly reaches out his hand. As the two shake hands, the sun rises over the necropolis and light pours into the room. Johnny begins to pick up bodies and then carry them back inside the large metal container. Mercy sees a trail of blood going outside the door and follows it. 
As she steps out onto the ledge, a zombie grabs at her leg. She turns and shoots it in the head, but loses her balance and falls from the ledge to the ground below. Dazed, she begins to slowly pull herself up when she sees Kirkman standing over her. He is holding a stone tombstone above his head, preparing to drop it onto her. She desperately grabs for anything and finds a metal baseball bat lying beside her. As she takes it in hand, it begins to glow. She swings the bat, hitting Kirkman in the knee. His leg collapses and he stumbles backward, falling to the ground, and the stone tombstone falls down, crushing his head. With poetic justice, Mercy stares at the letters, R.I.P., Rest in Peace, written on the tombstone. Kirkman is at the necropolis, and he is now dead. Mercy climbs back up to the ledge. She steps inside the dark room. All of the giant metal containers have been resealed, but Johnny Zombie is nowhere to be seen. Mercy leans the metal baseball bat against the side of one of the containers and walks out into the sunlight to return to New Gellif. We don't consider ourselves to be the biggest zombie fans, but we certainly enjoy a good zombie story, and especially those that focus on suspense, and this story definitely does that. The suspense keeps you on edge throughout the first part of the story, and once the zombies show up, you cheer for Mercy and Johnny as they effectively dispose of the creatures. Johnny Zombie is a terrific character. The visual design and his mannerisms are immediately appealing. He has a confidence in his stride and a wink in his eye that make the story fun throughout. I could easily read many more of his adventures. And thankfully, there's another Johnny Zombie story available at Thrillbent.com. We promoted it during the holidays because it is a Christmas story filled with zombies. We'll try to remember to cover it on the show next Christmas. I'm sure you can tell that we really like the character of Johnny Zombie. And when we had the opportunity to meet Carl Kiesel at Rose City Comic Con last year, we knew we had to get a Johnny Zombie commission from him. He is such a friendly and kind man, and we had a couple of very nice conversations with him over the weekend. The commission turned out terrific. Johnny Zombie has a wry smile on his face and is holding his baseball bat and is ready for action. And even though it was a black and white commission, Carl went above and beyond and gave us a bonus by coloring his t-shirt red, creating a really striking image. We absolutely love the image, and it hangs on the wall in our house. We'll be sure to share it online. I'm guessing the name of Romero Kirkman is based on both filmmaker George Romero and comic writer Robert Kirkman. I believe I remember reading that Romero's Night of the Living Dead was the movie that made Carl Kiesel a zombie fan, and of course Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead has turned into quite a phenomenon. The story also features many great images of Mercy, and there were several that I particularly like of her cape flowing in the wind. Ron and Carl make a great team. The colors of her outfit also help her stand out against the stone buildings all around her. And I love the look of the necropolis. It is filled with giant stone crypts and mausoleums creating a creepy effect. It looks like a city of giant tombstones. The City of the Dead is an appropriate nickname. I wonder if the entire island city is a giant graveyard. It certainly appears to be. I found it very interesting the way the statue of the angel is always bathed in light. I'm not sure if a light is beaming up from the base of the statue or if the sunlight is breaking through the cloudy skies just at that point, but in either case it creates a striking image compared to the rest of the city. There is no dialogue in the story after the first page where Mercy talks to her informant. Everything in the story is told visually, and those visuals are wonderful. The story is beautiful, mysterious, stunning, and creepy all at the same time. Now let's take a few minutes to talk about our favorite pages and panels. So Darren, what were your favorite pages? Okay, 
I'll start with the double page spread of Mercy and Johnny fighting the zombies on pages 72 and 73. Okay, I'm there. It's a terrific action scene that captures both of them in great poses while surrounded by dozens of undead creatures. And I really like page 63 when Mercy is crossing the catwalk. There's a great panel that captures her in motion as the catwalk collapses, along with panels showing her grasping at the metal scaffolding and then climbing up the side of the building. Lots of great perspectives. I like that too. And my winning page is the double page title spread on pages 60 and 61. Okay, I'm there. Okay, that shows Mercy just after she's arrived at the necropolis. She's looking out at the many stone mausoleums and crypts, and the brightly lit statue of the angel is in clear view. It really sets the mood for the adventure ahead. Let me start on page 67. Okay. And there, the panels are divided up evenly into six vertical rectangles, and each panel shows a flash freeze-frame moment in a very intense situation, where Mercy breaks free from the hook and has to scramble to deal with the zombies. Those zombies look so creepy and scary, and the action and expressions on this page are excellent. Yeah, I really like this one, too. Now I'll turn over to 75. All right. That has five horizontal panels where Mercy aims her gun at Johnny as she considers if she needs to shoot him or not. It is so tense, and I love seeing the body language and the expressions there and the figures while that plays out in front of the camera, so to speak, as it zooms in on Mercy and the gun. Yeah, I really like that, too. Now backwards a whole lot to 59. Oh, okay, I'm there. All right. That's the sequence where it is fun to see Mercy travel by jet ski on the water, and her cape is flowing behind her. On this page, I love how the left two-thirds of the page shows her journey to the island, while the kind of the third column on the right shows the conversation with her informant. I think the panel layout in the sequence is very clever there. And, of course, I love the cityscapes across the water. They're gorgeous. I agree. I almost chose that one because of that cityscape in the background. I just love that so much. Bit of a silhouette effect there, too, you know. (laughs) Yes. So now let's talk about favorite panels. I'll start on page 68 at the bottom. Okay, just a minute. I'm there. I love that first view of Johnny Zombie holding Mercy's gun in one hand and holding his baseball bat babe in his gloved hand. It's a dynamic pose that immediately makes you like the character and says almost everything you need to know about him in just that one image. You're right. It is terrific. Then on page 71, just a couple of pages later, I'll cheat just a little because I love the two side-by-side panels of Mercy and Johnny Zombie, so I have to choose them both. She's giving him a salute, and he's giving her a thumbs up. It's classic. I love it. And my winning panel is at the top of page 74. Again, just a couple of pages, showing the sun rising over the necropolis. There are small panels in set showing the aftermath of Mercy's and Johnny's battle. I just really think it's dramatic and a terrific image. Okay, now for my top panels. Some things here may be familiar. Just turn to page 68. Okay. That's the panel where Johnny Zombie makes his appearance. I love it. So kind of like you, I love how confident he looks, how strong he looks. He's ready for battle. Just lots of nice touches too, like the bat glowing behind his head as it rests on his shoulder. It's fabulous. I really agree. Yes. (laughs) I think you're going to agree with me on my next one too. Okay. Page 71. Okay. (laughs) Again, headshot of Mercy saluting Johnny. And I will just add that I love how the silent communication in this story is so well presented. I agree. And I think it's nice that we chose two of the same panels 
because we don't look at each other's choices in advance. So it's a pleasant surprise. So I'll wait and see if you chose the third one is the same as well. Nope. This time we're going to have some variety. <laughs> okay. Go to 64. All right. Now, top panel on that page. It's where Mercy has her gun drawn and she's kind of leaning back against the wall. And she's just about to make her 180 degree turn to aim into that dark room before entering it. And I think the figure looks just so right. You can sense the movement that is about to occur. And just past Mercy's cape, off in the distance, you can see the angel bathed in light, which I think is a great contrast to the dark room that she's about to enter. I really like that. I'm glad you pointed it out because I've liked all of the different views of the angel showing up here and there. So if you want to give this story a try, be sure and stop by thrillbent.com. And while you're there, check out the story Four Seconds as well. It's a great noir thriller about a petty thief who can see four seconds into the future. It's written by Paul O'Connor of the comic website Lombok's Graveyard, and it features art by Carl Kiesel and colors by Grace Allison. And if you look closely, you'll see Mercy and Johnny together again in a small cameo. The two of them are in posters hanging on the wall in the background of a scene. And if you're a fan of Carl Kiesel, and I'm sure most of you are, be sure and check out the new Facebook page, Section Zero Comic, which has information about one of his upcoming projects that looks really intriguing. He and Tom Grummet are reviving a comic they've worked on in the past about a team of adventurers who travel the world investigating the strange, fantastic, and unknown. There'll be more information announced on the Facebook page in the very near future. We'll put the link to that in our show notes. As with the Trekker Omnibus, the trade paperback of the Train to Avalon Bay features a terrific sketchbook of illustrations, with talented artists putting their own personal spin on Mercy St. Clair and the world of Trekker. There is even a new image by Ron Randall of an exhausted and weary Mercy who has just triumphed in battle. As an homage to the legend of St. George and the Dragon, this image is titled St. Clair and the Dragon. The first drawing seems custom-made for us as our worlds collide with an amazing drawing of Ron Randall's Mercy St. Clair by none other than Mark Schultz, who writes and draws the excellent Xenozoic Tales comics that we talk about on our Xenozoic Xenophiles podcast. The drawing is in Mark's distinctive black-and-white style, and we actually just recently interviewed Mark for an upcoming episode of that podcast in which he talks about the new Xenozoic graphic novel. There is also a fantastic black-and-white drawing of Mercy in action by Thomas Yates, who has worked on Swamp Thing, Zorro, and Tarzan, and who currently draws the Prince Valiant comic that is written by Mark Schultz. There's a dramatic image of Mercy falling through a glass window while firing her weapons by Steve Lieber, where fans of his Eisner-winning graphic novel White Out, and he currently works on the popular series The Fix. There's a great color illustration by Jonathan Case, who has worked on the Eisner-winning Green River Killer, as well as Batman 66 and the critically acclaimed book The New Deal. Dustin Weaver, who has worked on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and X-Men, provides a great image of Mercy St. Clair with a terrific cityscape behind her, and everyone who listens knows we like cityscapes. Yes, I think we were just talking about some. And Pete Woods, who has worked on Deadpool, Robin, Catwoman, and Superman New Krypton, has a full-color illustration of Mercy on a platform high above the street. I really like that the sign in the background on one of the buildings says Randall's. That was nice. Nice touch. Ben Bates, who has worked on Sonic, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, and Teen Titans Go, provides an adorable image of Mercy holding scuff. Mercy's cape is swirling all around, creating a terrific circular pattern. Paul Guinan has a fun image of Mercy St. Clair in a scuffle with Queenie from his sci-fi series Heartbreakers, which also appeared in Dark Horse Presents along with Trekker. 
Paul has also worked on the critically acclaimed boilerplate, along with his wife, Anina Bennett. There are two wonderful images on the same page that show Mercy standing with her pistol in hand while the wind blows her cape. The two images are almost mirror images of each other in layout, but completely different in style. One is by Ron Chan, who has worked on Plants vs. Zombies, and the other is by Kat Ferris, who has worked on Angry Birds and does the webcomic The Last Diplomat. What is really special about this drawing is that Ron Chan and Kat Ferris were just recently married. Congratulations! Aaron McConnell, who has worked on the critically acclaimed graphic novels The Gettysburg Address and the United States Constitution, as well as Robert E. Howard's Savage Sword, gives us a very femme fatale image of Mercy. She looks ready to give Humphrey Bogart a tough time. There's an adorable image of Mercy by Colleen Coover, who has done work for Marvel and is known for the critically acclaimed Gingerbread Girl and the Eisner-winning series Bandette. There's an image of Mercy standing triumphantly with the head of a robot in her hand that looks like she's just ripped it off. It's by Rich Ellis from the sci-fi series Triton, and he has also worked on S.H.I.E.L.D. and Savage Wolverine. Grace Allison, who did the colors of the Johnny Zombie story and works on the series Wander and Flash Gordon, King's Cross, gives us an image of Mercy just after firing her pistol. The barrel of the gun is still smoking. Jesse Hamm gives us a full-color illustration of Mercy St. Clair flipping backwards with both guns drawn ready for action. He's worked on Hawkeye, Negative Burn, Batman 66, and Flash Gordon, King's Cross. And appropriately for this episode, we'll wrap up with an image by Carl Kiesel that is done in the style of a poster designed to encourage recruits to join the ranks of Trekkers, promising adventure, travel, and money. I love the way the poster plays on the old Dr. Pepper soda commercials declaring, he's a Trekker, she's a Trekker, wouldn't you like to be a Trekker too? And there's an Easter egg date that's hidden in the small print of the poster for fans of Ron Randall. We have a full-size print of this poster that we bought from Ron at a con, and we plan to get Carl Kiesel to sign it the next time we see him. The double-length train to Avalon Bay story, plus the City of the Dead Johnny Zombie crossover, plus this amazing sketchbook make the train to Avalon Bay a great book to pick up. It's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them just a little bit better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gellif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox, and is a cross between a dog and a fox. And, as Timothy G. Kramer correctly points out, she buys nice dresses for special occasions. Johnny Zombie is a character of folklore and legend, the world's biggest and baddest zombie fighter. His weapons of choice are a blue metal baseball bat named Babe, after Babe Ruth, and an armored metal gauntlet called Jawbreaker. His symbol is a frowning face with a bullet hole in its forehead. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. Thanks to everyone for all of the great comments. They add so much to the show. So a big thank you to everyone who took time to write or get in touch through social media. Appropriately for this episode, Carl Kiesel saw the link we posted in December to promote the Johnny Zombie Christmas webcomic. And he commented, Aw, you touch my heart. And then tear it out and eat it, in true Johnny Zombie Christmas fashion. Happy Yule, all. We think Tony Greenall may have been singing when he wrote, On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a new episode of Trekker Talk, better than a partridge in a pear tree. He continued, Great listen as always. Love the nod to Jerry McColwell. Brian Mulvey wrote, I'm all out of superlatives for the two of you and Ron Randall's incredible return to Mercy's Chronicles. 
Ron's gorgeous art was elevated by the brilliant color work of Jeremy Colwell. Suffice to say, when your in-theme music queued up, I realized I had a smile on my face. And colorist Jeremy Colwell himself wrote in saying, Great podcast. Just finished it. Another solid episode. Thanks for the shout-outs. John Baker wrote, I'm listening right now as I type this. Christmas lights twinkling and Trekkers hog. John said he enjoyed the episode and commented that the commission Ron Randall did of Mercy St. Clair with his sister Ruth may be the best gift he's ever given to his sister. And Ruth Reese quickly replied to him and copied us saying she loves it. Later, we caught a comment John shared about a new Trekker page on social media. It reads, Mercy looks gorgeous in the new panel. Great vibe. A good look for her. Ron Randall replied, Mercy doesn't have too many chances to style up, but she can bring it. On that same topic, Timothy G. Kramer of the Provocative Praise blog wrote, I love to see Mercy in a beautiful dress, and I always chuckle when Trekker Talk claims she spends most of her money on weapons. That gave us a good laugh, and we modified that comment in this episode just for you, Timothy. Joe Crawford of the blog for the non-discerning reader was excited when the last episode posted and wrote, Perfect listening for when I get home. Mike Peacock of Justice's First Dawn was excited to see that Wendy Freeman of Double Page Spread shared feedback on Trekker Talk. And Mike said, others shouldn't miss out on this. Thanks, Mike. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary wrote, Whoa, just heard the end of the Avalon Bay story on the podcast. Now I have to try to seek out the images. Incredible. And regarding his win on the Trekker Toast Award, he said, Shucks, folks, I'm speechless. We heard from a brand new listener who goes by the cool name Swagcat, who found Trekker Talk on YouTube. He commented, I like this. I never read a Trekker book, but I like how you tell the story. And that comment was even more special later when we learned it was our nephew Aaron, who had discovered the show on his own. Thank you, Aaron. We got a delightful letter from Mark of the fun podcast Mark's Mess that he does with his lovely daughters. He wrote, I hadn't heard of Trekker until I heard of your podcast. And to tell you the truth, I initially thought it was for Star Trek until other podcasters put me right. You have a lot of fans out there. And after Christmas, I treated myself on Comixology to the Omnibus. Mark continued, How have I missed this comic? It has a familiar feel, reminding me of my days of reading 2000 AD. The future dystopia city is reminiscent of Judge Dredd with the bounty hunter element of Strontium Dog. But it is much more and great art. I do love a black and white comic. Also, having a strong female protagonist is a boost. Your podcast is spot on and enhances my reading like the commentary on a Doctor Who DVD. We'll take a bit of catching up and look forward to hearing background details on the series and snippets into your lives. Thank you so much, Mark, and we highly recommend Mark's Mess Podcast. It's always a fun treat. We enjoyed seeing photos and videos online of Ron Randall at Megacon in Mexico. It looks sunny and warm and looked like a great place to go for a con in the winter. And we spotted that Ron was wearing one of the Trekker t-shirts that his wife Lynn had us make for him. And he replied, I told you it would be my convention uniform now, didn't I? Gus Sabalio shared a picture with us of Boris the Bear introducing Trekker in a Dark Horse house ad. That was fun to see. We enjoyed lots of the Dark Horse titles back then. Thanks for the memory, Gus. Gregory Litchfield posted page 14 from Future Quest number 7, saying it's my favorite Ron Randall art. It was half of a fantastic double-page spread of Space Ghosts and Space Force fighting Omnicron. We have certainly enjoyed seeing Ron's art turn up in that fun series, too. For those who read Trekker online, there was a bit of a surprise with the end of the Chapeltown story. Ron Randall even had a fun online poll on Twitter to gauge readers' thoughts. Those who have been reading for a long time probably saw this coming, but we aren't going to spoil the surprise here for those who haven't read it. We'll get to that story later when it's collected and published. 
And before we wrap up, I want to mention that we picked up a copy of Harlan Buck Freesword. It's a fast-paced adventure story with great art from Weldon Studio. It's written by Scott Eos Weldon, a fellow fan of Ron Randall's Trekker and supporter of our podcast. Art is by Dino Agar, and colors are by Frederick Allison Jr. We definitely recommend it. Plus, we want to mention that our good friend Karen Williams of the Excellent Between the Pages blog was just featured on the podcast Her Dork World, His Dork World on January 27th on the VOC Nation Radio Network. She talks about Star Trek, Hanna-Barbera, Batman the Animated Series, and her love for bakery goods mixed with pop culture. It's a terrific interview, and we encourage everyone to check it out. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast, and best of all, helps to spread the word about the Trekker series. Before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And please also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time, too. Aaron Myers of Comics Therapy. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary Blog, Ashford of Feathers and Foes and Straight Out of Gallifrey, BC Fan 101, Brian Mulvey, Chris Mounts, Chris Sheehan of Weird Comics History and Cosmic Treadmill Podcasts, Christopher Mills of the Atomic Pulp Blog and writer of Perils on Planet X, Gravedigger, and Film Noir, Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics Blog and Podcast, Cullen Stapleton from the Worst Comics Podcast Ever, Danny Stith, Dave Gould, DC in the 80s, Dino Agor, Dr. G. Manodurdology of the Pulp to Pixel Podcast, Ed and Terry Moore of Till Productions, Eric Mannix of Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages, The Fire and Water Podcast Network, Gary Litchfield, Gus Sabalios of the Mike Grell Facebook page, Helioscope Studio, The Irredeemable Shag of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, also known as Firestorm Fan, Jeff Messer of the Geek Brain Podcast, Colorist Jeremy Colwell, Jim Carlson, Jim Romoldi, writer for the Batman Universe, Joe Crawford of the blog for the non-discerning reader, John Baker, John Ferrante, Justice's First Dawn with Mike Peacock, Karen Williams of Between the Pages, Carl Kiesel of Helioscope Studio, Kelly Pinto, artist Ken Solo, Kyle Benning of King Size Comics Giant Size Fun, and the Superman Captain Marvel Power Hour, Lance Barnett, Let's Talk Masters of the Universe, Louise Carlos, Marcus Martin, Mark of Mark's Mess Podcast, Mark Sweeney from I'm the Gun Blog and Podcast and Comics Couplets. Martin Gray of the blog Too Dangerous for a Girl. Matches Balone. Matthew Gonzalez. Mike Belcher. Artist Pablo Ventura. Pascal Sirius. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom Podcast. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Rachel Robinson. Rich Burchett. Ruth Reese. Ryan Daly of Midnight the Podcasting Hour. And Give Me Those Star Wars. Swag Cat. Talking Spider-Verse, Timothy G. Kramer of the Provocative Praise Blog, Tony Greenall, Wendy Freeman of the podcast Double Page Spread, and Johan. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, when we recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. This person is always enthusiastic and supportive. He is quick with positive remarks and kind words and makes us smile. He has done an excellent job of promoting Trekker Talk on social media and has shared our promo on his own shows. He makes keen observations and asks great questions. 
Andy also looks good in a hat and long scarf. So we lift our glasses and give a thankful trekker toast to Ashford. Congratulations, Ashford. We sincerely appreciate all of your kind support. Ashford is the host of Feathers and Foes, a Birds of Prey podcast, along with Straight Out of Gallifrey, a Doctor Who podcast. And he does look great in his fourth Doctor cosplay. And if you follow him online, you'll often see him with K9 at his side. Thank you for everything, Ashford. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts that you may enjoy. Daddy, has Hulk always been green? Well, no. Daddy, has Spider-Man ever been married? Well, that's quite complicated. Daddy, did Superman have a mullet? What? No, there's no Daddy, does Howard the Duck use foil language? Okay, stop. I must have done something wrong with your education somewhere along the line, but it's time to rectify that. You mean... Don't say it! You're doing another podcast? Oh no. Podcast? Yes. Mark's Mess Podcast. An ongoing podcast to introduce and inform my children about the world of comics, science fiction and general geekery. Join me each month along with my eldest daughter, Charlotte. Where's my fiver? And my youngest, Catherine. Me! As we explore all this together. Find us at marksmesspodcast.blogspot.co.uk On Facebook at marksmesspodcast and on Twitter at Mark's Mess Podcasts without the T. A new podcast. On a new feed. Same old Mark. <sighs> Ashford, what is Straight Out of Gallifrey? Straight Out of Gallifrey is a podcast where Josh and I talk about Doctor Who episodes, classic and new, featuring other Time Lords as well as the Doctor. There are other Time Lords? Oh, yes. It started all the way back with the first Doctor, William Hartnell. Oh yeah, you told me about that. The Time Meddler. That's correct, Kirsten. Where can I find the episodes? You can always go to straightoutofgallifrey.lipson.com. I don't think I'll remember that. Just add us on Twitter. We are so Gallifrey, like S-O Gallifrey. Twitter feeds move too fast. I always miss stuff. Well, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way, every time we upload a new episode, you will get the alert on your smarting device. Cool. Thanks. I can't wait to listen. Okay, Kirsten. See you later. Why are you walking into that blue box? I'm going to have a couple of drinks with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. See ya. <laughs> you always say that. Whoa. It is real. So he does have drinks with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on inside and outside the world of Trekker. The North Carolina Museum of Art recently had an exhibit of automobiles called Rolling Sculpture, which featured cars designed during the Art Deco period of the 1930s and 1940s. It was an amazing exhibit, and we both loved spending time walking among the dozens of classic cars. All of them were beautifully maintained and looked like they were just built. Most of these had very small production runs of only a few cars, and in many cases, the car in the exhibit was the last surviving model. What we thought was really neat was how many of these cars look like they belong in the world of Trekker, since Trekker has that retro feel to it that blends futuristic sci-fi with classic film noir. Because of that, many of the cars look like they would be perfect as skimmer hover cars in Trekker, especially the 1938 Roadster and the 1936 Peugeot Coupe. 
and one of the motorcycles, which was a 1930 Henderson Streamline, looked a bit like the hoverbike Mercy rides in the story Trial by Fire. It was really fun to see these beautiful cars, and we were pleasantly surprised about how many of them made us think of Trekker. The 1941 Chrysler Thunderbolt was bright red with a lightning bolt on its side, which made us think of the Flash, but Grant Richter thought of a better example, which was Flash Gordon. That was perfect, and I was disappointed with myself for not thinking of it since I'm a big Flash Gordon fan. But I'm really glad that Grant did, because the car definitely looked like it would fit in the worlds created by Alex Raymond. And another stylish trick-or-treat we got this past month was from Caitlin Like. Many of you have heard us mention Caitlin Like on the show before. She does the color flats for Ron Randall for the weekly Trekker pages. Caitlin also has her own webcomic called Maiden of the Machine, which is available at maidenmachine.com. The series is about a young woman who is pulled into a world of industry and conspiracy, where violence is the norm, pirates roam the skies, and a woman with wings made of brass and steel hunts in the night. We enjoy her webcomic and like her art, so we asked her to do a drawing of Mercy St. Clair in her own distinctive style. She sent us updates during the process so we could see the development of the picture, and she completed it and sent the final version just a couple of weeks ago. It's a beautiful nighttime scene with Mercy looking out of a window at an intriguing skyline. She has her gun in hand and is ready for action. It is a perfect blending of Mercy and Caitlin's style, just like we wanted. Thank you so much. We encourage everyone to check out Maiden of the Machine by Caitlin Like, and we'll include a link in our show notes. And speaking of commissions, our thanks go out to our good friend Brian Mulvey. He completely surprised us with an amazing commission of The Warlord by Ron Randall for Christmas. Once we opened it, we were stunned and actually had to take a break from opening presents and just pause look at the art, and let it all sink in. Such a special gift. Thank you, Brian. It's now framed and hanging on a wall in our house. Thank you, Brian, for the amazing gift, and thank you, Ron, for the stunning art. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. If you want to contact us directly, please send an email to trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr using the name trekkertalk, and you can visit trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media pages. And you can listen to the show through iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also find the show on YouTube as part of the Rad Adventures Podcast Network. I'm sure you get it. Ruth and Darren, R-A-D, Rad. We've had fun with that. On the Rad Adventures YouTube channel, you'll find all of the episodes of all of our podcasts, including Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Every review helps the podcast be more likely to show up in search results to help get the show noticed. And on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel and give us some likes on the videos. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page of material every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can follow Ron Randall. And he often replies to tweets and Facebook posts, as well as posts on his Patreon site. Please use hashtag TrekkerComic and hashtag TrekkerTalk in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversations. And for those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag Trekker Soundtrack. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll come back next time for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. 
The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Oh, 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 oh,